Welcome to episode 11 of the Suited Kings podcast. Today we have another very special guest, but before I introduce him, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has joined our Discord channel so far. Uh, Wes and I released that yesterday, and you can actually gain access to it via our Twitter account. If you go to my Twitter page, at Deuce Nukem, you'll find it on the pinned tweet. Get in there, join the discussions, uh, learn some strategies. We'll do live stream and a bunch of other fun stuffs, but... Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest, Mr. Blake Bond. Blake, how you doing? Great. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I'm doing fine, Wes. What about you? Doing great. Yes. Doing great as well. Yeah. Blake, super happy to have you on. I mean, you and I have known each other for about a decade now through poker, playing Canterbury, running aces, and MSPT stops. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, give an introduction to the people on your statistics here, which are... I'm looking at kind of mind-boggling. We have 4.1 uh-huh. million in earnings. I believe that puts you at the number one spot on the Minnesota all-time money list. We believe. Sick. We'll have to double-check, though. <laughs> Wes, Wes, uh, Wes wants a piece of that. He's coming <laughs> for it. Um, uh, secondly, you are, I believe you're now on the MSPT and the Minnesota Hall of Fame. Is that correct? Correct. And then also a five-time MSPT champ. I believe... Yeah. Uh, and and the only five-time MSPT champ at that. Yeah, for now. For now. <laughs> I'm on my <laughs> way. I'm all, I only got one so far. It might be a while. Um, but hey, I mean, Wes has zero, so we can just run out of space. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Blake, how did you get into poker, man? Um, you know, I kind of started playing uh, poker during the moneymaker boom. I was, uh, I ran... I uh, was uh, in finance and uh, had some businesses and went through some life changing things. My mom passed away and I went through a divorce. And so uh, I gravitated towards uh, my free time playing poker. And so I'd go to Canterbury and play Limit Hold'em. Okay. And I uh, found, found out that, uh, I mean, I was making, I don't know, 30,000 a month playing, you know, 15, 30, 30, 60 Limit Hold'em back in the day with, with what, great ease. What year was this around? Uh, I mean, before you guys were born, maybe. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Must be. I mean, Canterbury. Canterbury's been open for what twenty? I mean, maybe it's it's probably been twenty years or so. That was my first. Uh, okay, so two thousand, like you said, money maker. I guess that was twenty years ago. So that that adds up. Two thousand three. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. well, so Canter- when Canterbury opened, I just uh, you know I wasn't, I, you know, I grew up playing card games with my family. We didn't. Uh, Okay. Before like video games and stuff, I always played like very skill level card games with my family. And so that was probably my basis for card knowledge. Okay. And, uh, then when I started playing poker, I mean, I, I remember when I first sat down to play Limit Hold'em, I couldn't remember if a flush or a straight was better. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I'll just sit down and watch and I'll figure it out. I'll just, we'll see a hand and I'll figure that out. Right. So, but yeah. before, yeah, my first time I sat down, I was like, God, I can't quite remember that. But you know, I just what I did is I just watched what the good players did and just picked up on things that they were doing and um, just tried to copy and uh, mimic what they were doing. And, to this uh, day, that is still the best strategy, and I know that's how I did a lot of my learning. How Wes does a lot of his learning as well. Is I mean, yeah, watch the best and and try to Im- imitate it. Maybe not imitate it, but understand what they're doing and and uh, and why. And yeah, you don't. Exactly. So you might not even understand it, but you should be like, "Wow, this guy like always wins," or this, and like, "I'm gonna try that." Like, you'll figure out why he does that or she does that. But I still do that to this day. You know, like I'll uh, people that I respect in poker. I mean, I'm a big, as you guys know, I'm a really big into the feel of the game and the dynamics and the ebb and flows of tournaments and Absolutely. you know who's who's uh, who's coming up chips, who just got chips, who's mad at life, who you know is only <laughs> not going to rebuy. I mean, there's just so many intricate things that go into my thought process. I'm glad um, that you brought all that up because we're definitely going to dive into some of that stuff. Um, and then, you yeah. know, as you were saying too, like how people. Uh, you know, view good players and they might not understand. I know a lot of people feel that way about you. They don't know how you tick, but they know your results, right? So it's, it's important. It's important to know what your opponent thinks of you, quite honestly. Like, uh, I don't think people, I think people get caught up in hands, but you, I think people could spend more time, the regular people that play of understanding what Rob Wazwaz thinks of me or what, uh, you know, this guy in Iowa thinks of me, or does this person just think I'm just ramming and jamming and trying to get a stack and going to put in 15 bullets, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's uh, you know, and also you know, I mean, there's so much. There's the, the the thing that I love about poker is playing a 1K event with multiple day ones with re-entries is different than playing the 10K WSOP main, right? So on day three, uh, I'm going to play a hand with two tens a lot different than I'm going to play day one A than two days at running aces, right? Like absolutely, um, and that, yeah, and that's something we want to pick your brain on too. I mean, you, yeah, obviously you know how to adjust in that stuff. Before we get too far yeah. into the strategy and stuff, I just want to take yeah. a step back. Um, so you started off playing like 1530 limit and stuff like that in the early 2000s. This yeah. is where you kind of like cut your teeth and got some. You figured out that flushes finally beat straights. Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I guess uh, you know I was I I did like tournaments, but I didn't know much about them. Um, the fall classic back then was a pretty big deal, and people would travel in town to to play. Uh, you know, ten ten tournaments, and um, you know, as I as I. Uh, I don't think I mastered limit hold'em. I mean, the game caught up to me and I became a non-winner um, actually. But uh, when I gravitated towards tournaments, I felt like uh, it really suited my strength and my personality better. Like I could put a lot more pressure on people, you know, yep. limit hold'em is obviously a different animal. And, uh, you know, I had, uh, I had somebody uh, take a chance on me and put me in a few events and I happened to do well. Um, I remember, Good. I remember playing my first main event uh boy i don't know when it was maybe 15 years ago and uh i had 30 percent of myself and i remember like winning a pot on day two and I, my hands were just shaking like i was just dragging in <laughs> chips like and uh i don't know I, i'm a different player than i am now but uh yeah so i gravitated towards tournaments and uh, i found i found that that was way it just was just it did okay. more for me there was more levels of thinking yeah I love that, you know, that you brought that up, that you were at that stage as well, because I know a lot of people who listen to us are kind of in that stage now, or maybe, you know, some of them might be past it, but a lot of people mm -hmm. go through that as they're getting into poker. Um, and I also think it's cool that, as you were saying, you got staked in some of these and did well. I know that mm -hmm. you do, I mean, you've put in a lot of people, as as many people mm -hmm. know, into tournaments, and they've had big successes as well. So it's cool to see you hand that down or pay it forward, however you want to say it. But so kind of just keeping on track here. You started off in limit streets and then you moved your way into tournaments. I think it's important to note that. And I kind of talked about um, or talked to Mike, uh, Hall of Fame, Mike, uh, what's his um, Schneider, Mike Schneider. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. um, and him and I had a conversation once where, uh, you know, we discussed how some of the best players to come from Minnesota are the limit players. And the reason being is because they get to show down a lot more. They get to see what players yep. have a lot more. So they sure. just kind of get to see the intricacies of how a hand plays out because of the limit um yeah yep uh to to add to that point i think it still influences my tournament game to this day to get to showdown like i might lose i might lose some value in my hands um mm -hmm. but i'm not gonna bloat these pots and go bust in some random one pair hand okay. right so i i check back a lot of turns where where i see people that uh you know i would consider good players are gonna get value on all three streets or two or three streets where i might lose some value or that I could get, but I'm, but I'm taking less risk in certain spots You're depending on the tournaments, depending on the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, I think that's a big thing. I mean, especially or, or, in deep poker tournaments where, you know, it reduces right. variance. So hundred yep. percent agree with you on that. Um, yeah. I think, you know, let's see here. Yeah. So kind of, I guess it, one thing I want to touch on before we get into the strategy as well is I, I'm also kind of bummed about how the fall poker classic is now. I mean, I remember I first uh -huh. started playing tournaments in like 2010 to 2012 and the fall poker classic was like Christmas for everybody. It's just a whole different thing. Right. Like, no buffets, none of that stuff. Forgive right. me. My cat is jumping all over the place. So I had to kick her out of the way here. It's okay. It's okay. My dogs are barking too. Yeah. So we used to like, I, <clears throat> I mean, we would play every event. Uh, we would have, if you busted out because there was no re-entries, you would, we all came back to like my house and we'd have like two tables of like Chinese poker and a golden tea machine. And then we would just do the same thing the next day. And uh, that's, you know, if you busted the main, if you busted the one, the main event early, uh, you got to play with some really bad players in the 30, 60 game that also busted. So it's like, uh, I don't know, it was just, it was just more of a, I don't know. It was more of an electric feel. Now there's just not not the same vibe at all. For sure, I, I'm 100 percent on board with you there. Uh, Wes wouldn't know yeah. that though because you know mm -hmm. he's a baby. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot younger. I, I just like to pick on Wes, but um, you know what? I appreciate you telling that kind of this story about how you got into it. Let's uh, let's get into the thick of it here a little bit. I know a lot of people want to hear about how you think about poker. 
Um, again, we talked mm -hmm. about, I mean, I don't know anybody who exploits like you do. I mean, the table talk, just the way you see poker, all that above. Wes has a, a bunch of questions kind of where we're going to get into this. Uh, Wes, you want to take it away? Yeah. Um, so I actually jotted down a couple more things as we were talking here, but you were talking mm -hmm. about stuff like, you know, figuring out what players think of you and sort of what their motivation mm -hmm. is, like if they're going to rebuy or not, um, if some of them hate life, like you said. So mm -hmm. my first question, it was actually a little bit more specific. I've been at tables with you and, you know, so mm -hmm. for, for reference, um, so everyone knows, like, Blake, you and I, I don't think we had ever played together, maybe one time before um like a year ago and then there was a streak yep. of three months where we played at the same table about 15 times every tournament yep, so for sure yeah so there were you know a lot of hands i noticed um and you played so differently at different times so there were a couple times where it was kind of middle early middle of day one um you maybe had a much bigger stack than the opponent but you know you opened someone three bet you there was one time someone three bet you from the small blind and then you jammed or you put him all in for like 40 or 50 big blinds and you were in the cutoff um, and you had like queen 10 or queen jack offsuit. Um, and obviously like, what, do you, what not, do you have two Kings? He had, I think jacks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one I'm thinking of. So obviously yeah. like that's not a play you're making all the time, but I'm just curious when you make a play like that, um, yeah. what goes into that thought process? everything so uh you know when i'm opening the cutoff um and the small blind three bets me you know if it's a thinking player or somebody that doesn't like me or plays a lot of hands i mean he's thinking my range is super wide in the cutoff right so that right. makes his three betting range pretty wide too so obviously i'm trying to get i'm trying to get maybe ace queens to fold obviously all ace jacks and below to fold all pairs sevens and below are going to fold and, mm -hmm. and whatever shenanigans um, you know, if he, he, if he has two anyway. nines and he calls and i got you know yeah i mean uh you know at that point you know there's no doubt that um early day ones uh especially when we have a couple of days that i'm gonna i'm gonna gamble and try to get chips like yeah that's a whole nother topic i don't i don't know if it's touched upon enough that uh i don't think the mspts are fair anymore quite honestly i, I don't think uh I think if you give the average player one or two bullets against me with three days with unlimited bullets to get to day two, it's just not fair fight. Mm -hmm. I and, mean, you know, yeah. I still have to on day twos. On day twos, I still have to be, you know, between sixty and hundred players, and I'm really good at doing that. But you, yeah. you're always going to have to play against me fifteen times when you're only going to put in one bullet. I mean, and if I feel my skill set superior, which in most cases it is, I mean, it's just. I mean, if you if these people really like money, they shouldn't they shouldn't play it unless yeah. they're quality, unless they were really good at it. You know? So I you're mean, saying, quite honestly, go ahead. Oh, so you're saying you're not a one bullet man? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, quite honestly, like a couple of my wins have been on one bullets, and yeah. you know, I do hear I hear all these rumors about me putting in like 25 bullets or something, which is so absurd. Like, never been. I think. The most I put in, which is which is a big number, but uh, I think last December I put in 17 in okay. three days at running aces. But we have a thousand players, right? Yep. So I'm just trying to maximize my EV. Of course, you know it makes for a good story when you win 180k or whatever. But and it's um, easy. For you know, people, I know what my yeah to judge. I know it's what my ROI is in this. Yeah. Yep. And they hate and they judge and um, you know I I've learned getting better but i've learned to not really worry about what people think of me okay um, i do enjoy i think my table talk is elite um i mean it's something the, i don't yeah. do when i travel but uh, i think around here against the amateurs i think i can basically get a feel for what they have or get them to do what i want in a lot of spots and, yeah uh, and so can I can I pause it? Jump in real quick. Yeah. Um. So just to kind of stay on topic. Well, first off, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I've I've seen your table talk, endless amount of times at table. I mean, I remember yeah. one. I mean, like you're folding, you're folding, you're folding, and you yeah. <laughs> and and yep. lo and behold, they fold. But you know, it's just crazy. I have no idea what yeah. they're folding or what you got them to fold. But you yeah. you talk I mean, them gotten, into it a lot. I've gotten people to take. I've gotten people to take their cards almost out of the muck and call me before. Like, uh, <laughs> just, you know, it, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, I think one of my, one of my best skills is being able to think fast on my feet and process information really fast. Yeah. And so, 
um, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, I would rank experience of playing these tournaments and, uh, thinking fast and knowing my opponents are all strengths of mine. And yeah, we would like to stay on topic, but we're going to jump all around. Was my queen 10 suited Wes? Um, so th there are two I'm hands scared. I'm thinking I mean, of <laughs> and one, one time you had queen Jack suited one time you had queen 10 off. And one time, yeah, I'm just joking. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't yeah. matter. It's, it's, <laughs> Wes it's has still, an incredible still, memory. So I, that's what, I'm, I'm yeah, which is great because I don't, I don't, I don't. So um, <laughs> I don't remember who the small blind was either. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, um, you know, when I want to play, if I'm in the mood to play, uh, it's 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 a good thing for me, and it's not very good for other players, and especially if I get a stack. And um, but that's the thing. Nobody sees nobody sees the big folds I make or. Mm -hmm the big checkbacks I make. I mean, we only see the hands. I mean, everybody has their Blake story. I'll, I'll go everywhere. And somebody will be like, Oh, remember that time in Iowa and you had the five, three of hearts and I had two Queens. And I'm like, well, when did the money go? And he goes, well, you had three threes. I'm like, exactly. You're like, right. Like you, you know, you said, you know, I mean, the money went in when I usually have it. Right. Like, um, but I know that I'm going to get called a lot lighter. That's why I play so many hands. I mean, my VPIP is, uh, you know, insane. Um, mm -hmm. But that's just because I'm so comfortable post-flop, and I don't think a lot of other people are. Oh, that's that's 100% facts. Um, you know, and I actually have, so our Discord chat, I asked, I told, uh, mentioned in there that we we're going to be interviewing you, and uh, staying on topic for, like, bullets for early in MSPTs, uh, one of our friends, Jay, had a question for you I just wanted to ask. So the question is, during MSPT day ones, uh, do you have a target amount, um, say, three or four starting stacks that, to where you'll start Never. switching gears or, you know, I know some of this stuff you Never. might not want to give away, but I'm just, just trying to, you know, see no, what I, your thoughts I'm an are open on. book. I have, I have no problem. I have okay. no problem telling everything that I do because I don't think that people absorb it or can play how I play. So I'm not worried about that. I, well, first of all, I don't, a great I point. think, uh, first of all, I, I, first of all, um, I think I'm a really good poker player, but I'm not overconfident, not conceited. I know I have flaws. I know, that I don't know the math as well as I could. And that's why when I get asked to coach, I turn everybody down because I can't, it's not like I'm a genius, but I just can't teach what I do. I just can't teach how I would play in certain spots. But to Jay's, to Jay's question, I never have a target. I never have a target to what I want to end day one with. It's always table specific, uh, event specific. Um, mm. You know, that's just, that's just how it goes. Like I, I never, okay, I want to make sure I finish with, you know, X amount or this or that and the other. I'm, every hand is, to me, should be put in a vacuum. And okay. I don't think enough people do that. I think they let other hands carry over. And I think uh, their emotions get involved from a previous hand. And I do try to do a good job of playing every hand. You know, obviously, I know in certain spots, I'm going to get, I'm going to have the worst of it and gamble, but uh, that's going to be early on. Um, yeah. But when it usually matters, I mean... I usually have it and I get, I get called, I get, I get plenty of action because people see how I play early. And then when they're playing against me late, they just never believe me. So I do agree with you that yeah. the style of poker yeah. you play exploitative is, is more of a natural ability than something like GTO where you can study it and over and over. Right. Okay. As you were, as you were saying though, like your, your style is a hundred percent the hard, you can't coach it. I mean, it's a natural ability, your table talk. I mean, these comes from, these come from personality traits and things like that. Um, I think, did did I hear you were coaching Corey Covid? Is that something that was like just maybe for? <laughs> uh, so Corey and I, Corey and I are really good friends, and we yeah. talk poker. Um, yeah. I don't, uh, you know, he jokingly calls me his coach, but um, I don't. It's not like I've a ever, dedicated thing. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we talk poker, but uh, I would not consider me his coach. Like, um, okay. I've probably been asked fifty times to coach people, and uh, a few times good friends of mine, I've said, you know, I won't coach, but if you want to go have lunch, we can talk poker for a couple hours. And so I would, I would, uh, speak my mind on what I see about their game and other things, but, uh, yeah. And I, I kind of agree with that. I think when it comes to poker, there's so many things that you can, you can talk about what you would do theoretically in this spot, mm -hmm. but really every, every single variable in the hand comes into play so it's not just position stack sizes payouts it's also like yeah yeah player type it's everything you know and if you know we all watch we all watch poker we're watching game of gold and cat and i will be watching and we'll when you see the hand when you see what's going on and you see all the cards 
it's a lot easier. Like, man, you know, I would jam here. I'm like, that's cool and all, but do you have the balls to do that when you don't know exactly what's out there? You know, 100%. Like, uh, a lot of, I don't have, I, I don't want to say I, I have no fear, but um, whether I'm playing a hundred K buy-in or a one K buy-in, if I really feel the money has to go in, it's just going to go in. Like you can't have a fear of losing. Like we lose so yeah. much in this, right? Like if we're playing tournaments and they pay 10%, obviously you're losing the average person's losing 90, you know, obviously I'm probably cashing more, but say yeah. I'm cashing 25%. I'm going to work and coming home three out of four times, just fucking no money and grumpy and pissy. And it's a tough industry to, to make happen. But you know, I've been in, I've been in a lot of pressure spots with a lot of big money. And, uh, so my experience really, I can recall certain spots of what I felt like. And, uh, you know, I just try to just try to play how I would to the best. Like I try to do to people what I don't like done to me, mm -hmm. quite honestly. I've heard um, you say that before. It's a couple of things that I don't like done to me, which I, uh, so I don't know. I just, uh, you know, it's a game of incomplete information and, um, yeah. uh, for, in, for instance, uh, no, I was three of 11 within the 1600 in Vegas a week ago. And, uh, we were, we were begging at 10. So we're 11 people. Yep. And I'm raising every, I'm third in chips and I'm raising every hand and okay. is my, and there's a chip leader at my table, but he's pretty passive. And, uh, so I'm under the gun and the dealer deals me one card all the way to the rail and the other card, not even close to me, like way out in the middle. Okay. And I raised a, I raised a 10,000 with 240 K okay. and I know everybody saw didn't even look. I didn't look at my other card. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at one card. I look at this other card. Right. Uh, I love so that. it's folded to the big stack who's got 400 and he makes it 48,000. Like I made it 10 K he made it 48. Yep. And I look and I look at a seven and I look out here and I see another seven. I'm like, I mean, I'm just crushing his range, right? If he never has aces or kings here because he's going to make it, you know, 23,000 or 28,000, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm just like, I'm not scared in that spot in a 1600. I know I can play day 1B. And so, you know, I I tank jam and he beats me in the pot with two aces, of course. Oh, my <laughs> God. And I lose. It's not a good story. I bubble, you know, and I go home and I'm just like, fuck, you know, but I'm just like, you know, what I did there on purpose is I saw what I saw and I tried to exploit. I mean, he has to fold. You so essentially reverse there. exploited there. Yeah. You yeah, tried to exploit exactly. his exploit. You recognize that yeah, you're in exactly. a spot where well, he was going to take so, advantage. Yeah. And so I wish, I wish he was a thinking enough player to say, if I raise this big enough, he could jam. If I raise it small, he might just call or fold. Like, I wish he was thinking that, but they're just scared to play post flop with me. That's, that's what you got exactly to figure out. Yeah. Again. So he raised wow. big enough because he's like, fuck, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play post flop. I got two aces. I'll make it 48. And I, I look at that like, you don't want to play post flop. You got ace jack suited, you know? So I, uh, right. I, I appreciate I you sharing that story, even though the result yeah. wasn't in your favor. I mean, um, I'm yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. So I, I actually had another question um, going back to, you know, you had said talking about a hundred, whether you're in a hundred K or a one K, like when you are gathering information about your opponents and making these exploitative plays, um, do you find that like, there's a very different amount of information you can gather from players at something like a Canterbury tournament versus like a 50 or a hundred K at the world series. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, uh, you know, I think, you know, I've barely been doing this for seriously for tournaments for 15 years or so. And other than COVID and I think, you know, after day ones are over, I might, I don't want to say I was the first, but I was one of the very few that started researching my day two seat assignments and who they were, where they're from, what their recent success was, what do they normally play, where they're sitting. And I'd actually get a piece of paper and I'd put their chip stacks on this piece of paper and sit where I'm sitting. So I'd have a visualization of where I'm at before I even sit down. And I know who they are, where they're from, what their tendencies are. One of the first pieces of advice I got when the main event was, you know, was even juicier than it is now is one guy told me he goes get to the table 15 minutes before everybody else be the first to your table and i'm just like okay why he goes well because then you're gonna see if they handed passports are they from denmark are they from here are they on the phone with their home game saying thank you guys for this opportunity i can't believe i'm playing are they talking to their wife are they nervous do they say if they're gonna say did everybody else satellite in like me like you, you can gather so much in the 10 minutes before you start that I can, you know, what I would do is I would be like, oh yeah, I'm like, and he'd be like, oh, I'm Larry. I'm like, where are you from? And he'd be like, oh, I'm from Indiana. And I try to recall that conversation. And then when I was in a hand with him, recall, because I, I don't think he was lying to me when he was from Indiana. 
So I try to recall his body language and his tone and all that stuff. Like I've spent many hours researching FBI body language books and interrogation. And I mean, it's not just, you know, I don't know, like I've been broke before. I don't come from money. Uh, you know, so it's not just me throwing money around, just having a good time. Like I really have put in a lot of work behind the scenes that people will never understand or know. Um, Yeah. I I think that's important uh, to note too. And I, I, so I just want to kind of clarify for the listeners. So you're saying, I mean, you've done a lot of this studying of, you know, tells and things like that, you know, you know, you were reading books and stuff like that. So, um, in the moment, you you kind of get these feels, these vibes. So you're not looking at their throat yeah. pulsating and saying, oh, my God, he's got a big Henry dozen. These are right. just intuitive things that you've seen over time that come to you in the moment. You're like, all right, I know he's uncomfortable and I know that he's going to be weak because yep. of this. It's not just yep. a simple tell, but it's more of an intuitive feeling, right? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, maybe the year I put Alex Winter in the main event, yep. uh, I got, you know, he got 50th or 40th and I got like 200 and it was just such a fun we played. I don't know, five days together, maybe, or I don't know, but, uh, that's so sick. I remember, I remember on like level three, I had two Kings on the button. I three bet and I got four bet out of the small blind, this older guy from Wisconsin. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, normally I'm always just flatting the four bet there. Cause mm-hmm. we both were, we both were 600 blinds. Deep. We were just so deep. Right. right? Yeah. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, well, you know, I could get myself in trouble if it comes eight high. I do have two Kings here. You know, am I good enough to five bet fold? Um, okay. You know, okay. Kings. And so I decided to five bet. And uh, so I five bet him. And before I even got my chips in there, he just said, he's all, I'm all in. Oh, yeah. man. But <laughs> so you got like a perfect piece of information, basically. Well, so I, I did, it took me 12 seconds to fold. Yep. Like I just put, I put, and I didn't show anybody. I didn't get mad. I didn't believe, I didn't say anything. I just took my two, I just took my two Kings. Didn't show and just pushed him towards the muck like that. And I said, nice end. And he grabbed his two cards and he was sitting next to me and he put them in my face and he put two Kings right in my face. And I said, nice end. I didn't tell him what I had. I said, nice end. I just knuckled the table and move on because they don't want to give away anything. Right. Like I'm not giving away anything, but you know, and, and that I'm never folding two Kings in a, in a one K, you know, in a day True. one B, you know, but in that one, you know, there's just, you know, so every hand gets played different. The opponents are different. The stakes are different. It's just, uh, that's, that's why I love the game because it's just such a meta game of information. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting the way you talk about it. It's like, you can't make general statements about these different types of tells because every small bit of information goes into the decision and right. it's great. You know, it just, it. Yeah. You're yeah. Just I mean, he, he had one or two, he either had two, he had two aces or two Kings and I have two Kings. So it's likely he has two aces, right? So yeah, he never has Queens. He never has ace King. And so I was just like, you know, I wish I could, I wish I showed him or put it in, but when he, he just like, he just put it in my face, like he had it. And I just was like, yeah, nice hand. Well, that's yeah, a great nice spot nice for you to, just, yeah, yeah. To, to limit your <laughs> loss there. You five bet and then are able to fold instead of getting yeah. the eight high flop and then getting stacked. So, yeah, that's why the hand plays so different. You know, the tech, I'm a big, I'm a big, big texture of the board guy, right? Like, uh, textures of boards are really important to the way that I play a lot more than I think people are a little too focused on those two cards they have in front of them and yep. not enough of range of what their yep. opponents have or what the texture is. And, um, cool. Agreed you know, I with just, that. Uh, try not to get married to a hand. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, you gotta make, you gotta make big folds and you gotta put pressure on when you think you can put pressure on. hundred percent. Um, what sort of things, or do you have any example of, of any times when you have done certain things to induce types of mistakes from your opponents? So like, I know when we've played together, I've seen people make really bizarre plays where they kind of <laughs> blow up against you. And it's almost like you're a, you're a Midwest version of Phil Hellmuth in a way, like mm-hmm. <laughs> in a complimentary way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally way. would take that as a compliment and I totally yeah. understand that. And that just comes from, you know, people's perception of me or my table talk, right? Like uh, they, there's some people in this community that uh, think the world of me. And uh, you know, I have, I have uh, kids named after me for Christ's sake, you know, like, yeah. uh, and, and then there's other people that just, towards me and uh that's fine and uh you know back a long time ago i probably deserved it i was probably way more of a dick at the table than i am now i still talk but i'm not as uh, abrasive as i am but i try to do that to get them to eventually the average player is just going to lose their shit in the pot so i'm just gonna i try to 
catch punts. Like that's what I do for a living, right? Like I just want to wait for them to fuck up. And, but you uh, tee the ball up for like, it, like, and that's what a lot of people can't do. Like we all, we all right. have our gloves on waiting to catch the punt, but you, you ex, you uh, well, manipulate them to punt. That, well, I also, I also try to put them in punt formation a lot. Like that's why yeah. I play so many right. hands, right? That's why I get under their skin or, uh, you know, they might get chips or, you know, I've seen, uh, <laughs> can't mention this person's name, but I was, I was <laughs> railing him in an MSPT years ago and he just won this big pot and uh, they were down to 13 handed and he was dealt ace queen on ace queen of clubs on the button. And he raised in the big blind three bet him. And he just took his ace queen. I was standing over his shoulder. He picked it up and he's just like, ah, just threw it in the muck. And I'm just mm. like, wow. Look at him. He goes, well, I just got these chips and I didn't want to lose them. Like, you're the person that I play. That's why I would be playing against you because yeah. you're yep. going to That's what you do. This guy's not that good a tournament player, but just like you can't. You, I mean, that's just a dream scenario for me. Like in, in a button versus big face. blind, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just you know, it's just I, I was just like drooling over here, and he's just like mucking this, and I'm just like <laughs> I was trying to catch it as it was going in the muck. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> yeah. no hold on, you know? put that back. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but that's that's an example of when people get chips, they don't like to come off them, or when people come off chips, they're you know they get a little more on tilt. You know, you can just you can just feel. I have a good feel for what people are doing. You know, the better players around, you know, it's, I mean, credit to you too. Like I would put you two as some of the better players around that I play with. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to speak to you guys that way. I'm going to have to have more friendly banter or whatever. <laughs> and I, but I also know, and that's why I don't, when I'm playing bigger events, I don't talk because I don't feel I want to give off around here. I don't care what I give off because I think I'm better than everybody. But when I travel, I know I'm not better than everybody. So I don't want to talk because I don't want to have them figure out what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I talk a lot less when I travel and play bigger events for sure. Um, Do you feel like that affects but, uh, your results between the between home and traveling? Um, hmm. Does it affect my results? I don't know. Like, um, do you feel like your, your results are better here because you can exploit more players here compared to when you're traveling and maybe not and the field is going to be a lot tougher? My results. Um, let's see. So I'm really proud of the fact that um, with my 4.1 million in earnings, that my biggest score is only 288,000 or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like, I think that says a lot. I think that says more about me and my consistency than anybody. Like you'll see a lot of people that'll have, Two million in earnings, but they won nine hundred k in one event. You know, yeah. And kudos to them; they could be a great player. But uh, you know, and I've missed, I've missed several, <laughs> man, I missed several, several seven figure spots. But uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, there's a reason I do what I do, but sometimes I can't really explain it. Like um, when you're playing for four million dollars and there's twenty left, it's just a different atmosphere than when you're playing around here for $1,100, you know? Um, so Definitely. I guess, uh, that, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, That's fair. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not going to be yeah. anything like that. So, and I would even right. say, you know, in that streak of time when we were playing together, I remember early on, like I sort of identified the fact that I'm like, okay, when I'm in a pot with this guy, I need to like, just stay stoic and not, you know, cause a lot of times when and you do, yeah, and you do. I, do, I do. Um, but I yeah. think, I think you know, as someone who plays a decent amount online, there was a stretch there where, you know, when I would play in Minnesota or whatever, it's like, oh, I might get a little mm -hmm. more relaxed and whatnot. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. no, I need to be very intentional about like, this yep. guy is going to lean over and say something at me and I need to keep staring at the middle card on the floor. Yeah. And not react, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's, there's been, there's been many people that have came up to me and said, you know, my friend came up to me because he's at your table. I told him, he asked me what I should do. And th th this person said, just don't talk to him. Yeah. Just don't say <laughs> anything, you know, just, just whatever. Right. And, uh, and I don't know, that's what makes poker fun though. I mean, it's a social game too, right? So a hundred percent it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I think there's a fine balance between being stoic and then also being able to socialize and, and remain, you know, stoic. And I, I mean, it's not too hard to do, but. Yeah, and I think mm -hmm. unless we're at a table with you because you can pick up <laughs> on these small tendencies. Yeah, well, and it's also mm -hmm. such, you know, one thing about poker I've noticed is it's such a human reaction that when someone says something to you, it's such a human reaction to say something back, you know, just to even just to be yeah. polite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so right. I think for people listening out there, like if if you feel like you get in these awkward spots in live poker, one thing you can take away is like sometimes you need to work on just not you know, not saying anything like don't feel awkward about just saying nothing. If someone's yeah. like, 
trying to get a reaction out of you. Cause even, you know, even when you're, even when you're bantering in a friendly way, I'm sure you're mm-hmm. like picking up stuff about people's personalities and tendencies. hundred percent he is. Yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, there's uh you know, like that guy that made it 48,000. I, I need to, I need to realize that there's just some players that are going to play like that on accident and they're going to out level me. You know, he just, he just got me right. Like, um, but in most cases, you know, that's such a shitty raise amount that I should, I mean, it just fit what I should be doing in that spot, but I can't, I have, I can't, uh, with the success I've had, especially in the last year, it's, I don't even know when I could start complaining about poker again, you know, right. Like it's just, it's been such a, such a really solid run. And, uh, it's so fun when you get to play for bigger stacks of money. And, you know, that's, I have such, I just have more experience than everybody playing final tables. And, you know, I, you know, with, uh, 13 final tables, MSPT, I got five wins in four seconds, right? Like, I mean, that's it's pretty uh, sweet. That's and this year alone. I mean, what you have, yeah. what you got, well, it's since you're, you're the Canterbury 1100s too this year. Yeah. And you're the defending yeah. champ of the, uh, the winter poker classic at running. Yeah. Ace, right? You won last year's. Yeah. Yeah. So even, so before like a couple of weeks ago, I haven't looked lately, but I was second in the world in mid majors, like, so tournaments between 500 and 5,000, I was second. For GPI, was it? Yeah, GPI. Yeah, five hundred. I don't know. That doesn't surprise me at all. So yeah, you, you, know, you had I, an incredible year. I think I've won five times this year, or whatever. Not including, or maybe including my December of last year. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Does, obviously, does, we all we all know. You know, you gotta you gotta run good, but uh, I just sure. I think I think I think another one of my strengths is I avoid I avoid getting unlucky. Like everybody says, like you know, you need a lot of luck to get through fourth. Sure, you need a lot of luck, but if you use pot control and uh just don't lose your mind you could avoid a lot of the marginal spots you know what Absolutely. i mean like, uh, yeah i think that's also key like i don't mind playing marginal spots you know on thursday at running aces but you know on, on a day two day three day six i mean you know going to bed or trying to go to bed with 32 players left in the main event you know 10 years ago or eight years ago is like it's like, I mean, I just can't even explain that feeling. Good luck, like, yeah. I just was just, I, I get goosebumps even thinking about it to this day. Like, it was just like, you know, this is what I dreamed about, you know. And Are you speaking of the, uh, the uh, what was that? That was the main event in 2015 you're talking about? Yeah, I got 23rd. I think. Yeah, for 262K. Got that on yeah. you. That's pretty insane. So I do have some, some of your big scores I do want to touch on eventually. Just kind of get some quick insight on the experience for that. But um, I know Wes has, yep. uh, has a, uh, another question. I think it's. Yeah, so I, I have one more poker question for right now. I think you kind of answered a lot of the exploit stuff. Um, I know you had said people will bring up hands and you won't remember them. There was one hand in April, the MSPT day one, and you told me you're like, let's talk about that hand in like a month. You don't even have to say what you had, but just remember that. So I'm I wanted to ask, do you remember that hand still? Don't even remember saying that to you. Okay. <laughs> then we won't get into it. Let's, let's, I, let's, we can try to talk about it though. Okay. Okay. So here's what the action was. So three, six, six blinds. I opened the button to 1400. This is day one. Yeah. Middle of day one. Right. Um, you opened. Yep. You called for 1400 in the big blind. The flop was six, five, four with two clubs. I think it was, it was, you know, there's a flush drop. You check. I check. Turn was a offsuit King. Um, no backdoor flush draw. So it's six, five, four King with two clubs on the flop. You check again. I bet it was like 2,500 into what would have been, I think 37. So like two thirds and you super quickly check raise to eight K. Mm-hmm. And then, so I started at, at this point, I had like 22 K to start going onto the turn. And I ended up jamming and you took a bit and you folded and you said you made a pretty big fold. And then mm-hmm. you said, like, let's talk about that one later. So mm. does it ring a bell or not? Nah? It doesn't. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. I thought it did until I folded. I thought I knew what I had until you jammed. And I what did you yeah. have? Um, <laughs> let's hear it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, the plan was I was going to share if you shared, but yeah, I don't expect you to share, and I don't remember. But oh, I, Wes, tell him because I need to. I, know so I, I can tell you this, Wes, between yeah. uh, people that I respect and like or consider my friends, at, you know, um, I'm never after the hands over. I'm never faking like. I didn't have I didn't have anything and it didn't tank and say, boy, you know, I made a big fold when I didn't. I did make a big fold for sure, or I wouldn't have told you that. Like I'm not 
yeah. people are, you're not going to change how you play against me if I have nothing or make a big fold. Right. So for sure. Yeah. Um, other people in, around here like to lie about their hands, which I think is super funny and comical, but with people, actually everybody, I, I rarely, if ever, would I, would I say something like that if I didn't make a big fold? So I'm for sure. sure yeah. yeah. Well, here's what I'll say is I had it. Flop um, a straight. What's that? You flop a straight. No, no, no. Um, oh. what do you have? I all right, Max. Max, you have an idea. What do you think it was? <laughs> so it was four, five, six, two clubs and a king on the turn. Yep, I check back flop. You check oh, back flop. Ace, I king, see... ace, ace king with the ace of clubs. No, I want. I mean, I was gonna say like I mean, I don't know if you check this back or not, but I was gonna say like ace ten of clubs or something. Oh, you guys! Yeah. I'm glad that you don't know me that well. Um, no, so, I had pocket. I had top set on the turn. I had pocket kings. That's what my wife just said. She just said really. Yes. She's listening and she goes, yep. she had a I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, well, she, see, she knows that, um, she knows I play perfect GTO, but <laughs> it only, it only extends the pre-flop though, to be fair. Um, yeah. and I, I do think opening Kings is, we're correct. not, uh, I'm not talking to her in this household today because we played some Indian poker last night and I got swept. So we were, awesome. I, know, I, after watching that on there. game of gold, I wanted to try it for sure. Yeah, So I played, I played it back in the day. Like we would play at Canterbury in between like tables breaking or moving, like they would let us have a deck. And so I, I played this, I've had some experience at it, but, uh, so of course watching that last night, we decided to play it and, uh, we figured out some some different strategy types, but uh, she did beat me in both. She, I mean, she always beats me, but whatever. Like, <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. So well, um, I don't remember what I had, or I definitely would have told you. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that I. So I know when I check raise you or somebody really fast like that, I want it to look bluffy. Mm -hmm. Like when you make it, what did you say you bet on the turn? Like two thirty twenty five, and, and I made it eight thousand fast. Yep. Like, I felt I had it until you jammed. Like yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to be bluffy. And then when you jammed, I had to reevaluate if I had it or not. Right. So that makes uh, sense. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I had, uh, but I have a, you know, I have a hard time believing I'm check raising a combo that I blow that I could get blown off of, but I don't, yeah. So I don't remember, but yeah, I can tell yeah, you, yeah. I can tell you, I can tell you in my history, when I check raise somebody really fast, I usually have it. Like I have yeah. chips ready to raise them because they're counting, they're counting their chips. And I know that they're going to bet and I'm going to just throw out 9k. Like when that it was happened, definitely when a situation that, where your raise was in the pot before my hand yeah. was even back on like so, my lap. Pro tip. When I do that, I usually have it. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, pro tip is I always have it. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that kind of, you know, will, end the line on the strategy talk for poker and i know you guys are into uh, dfs a lot i know wes has probably some questions and just kind of wants to see where where you're at on dfs what do you got for that wes yeah i mean i'm i've done dfs specifically for nfl um more seriously the last couple of years mm -hmm. um i know we've talked about it a bit but i'm just kind of curious like how much do you play do you do it for mainly football or other sports, um, how do you rank your DFS skill compared to your poker skill? Um, yeah, just so uh, I play uh, golf and I play the NFL usually. Um, I played NBA. You know, just it's just like when we talked about, you know, when I first started playing thirty sixty or fifteen thirty. Like when DFS first started, it was a lot easier, a lot easier in the streets to uh, to make money, and I made lots and lots and lots of money in the first, in the early stages of it but then it got so competitive that it was tougher on the higher stakes level to make a bunch of money um however um that doesn't deter me these days because i just it's like uh if i was to have a vice or something that i really like to do that would be something that you know that i that i deem as fun so you know i'm putting in i mean i'm playing against the best players in the world and i'm not not afraid to say that i'm down i'm stuck in the NFL this year, I'm usually putting in uh, me too, me 20, too, 25 to 40 k a week, probably. Oh, nice. uh, a little more I than have, me. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, I have two live final seats coming up in two weeks, so hopefully that'll uh, hopefully the deck will uh, bail me out and get me even for the year. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just something, it. just a hobby of mine. I don't, I you know, I don't uh, think the edge is really, really small on on the high stakes DFS scene. I mean, that's uh, kind of what I've heard. It's um, not, uh, it's not for the faint of heart and it takes a lot of money to make money. And quite honestly, it's, I mean, although it's plus EV for me in 10 years, it's definitely not, 
when I'm putting the money in, I'm not, I don't feel I'm getting it in great. I think I'm getting it in good and hoping to have a little sweat. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah, you probably get a, it probably makes watching the sports more enjoyable than it already is as well. For right. You. Yeah, for sure. Do you, uh, when you make lineups, do you use any sort of, um, software to help you? Like, how do you do research? How do you, uh, how do you go about making your lineups on like a week to week basis? Well, I mean, obviously there's an analytical side and a field play to it too. So I, I'm probably more, it's probably more analytical in DFS than feel where poker for me would just, it would be the reverse of that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it just depends what I'm playing. If I'm playing it, just like tournaments, if I'm playing a qualifier for a live seat, I'm going to play a different lineup than I am for a, a cash game or a 4k trying to win a million. Right. So um, depends how many lineups we're going to put in. Um, but, you know, I definitely do try to take chances to have the unique lineup to scoop. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're just hoping to have a sweat in the afternoon games. And, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But uh, I would say golf. I would say golf is probably still my favorite sport for DFS. It's just uh, every shot on Sunday, you either want the guy to miss really bad or bake. So it's like it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of stress sweaty, but it sure is fun when you win, just like poker. Yeah, definitely. I should consider checking out golf. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm an avid golfer, Blake. So I, I maybe I, uh, I, I do watch golf. It's the only sport I watch. So I would probably enjoy that. Yeah, maybe. I would recommend playing some low stakes golf because you'll find that because if you, especially if you're an avid golfer or if you're an avid watcher of golf, you, I mean, you oh. know the the players that the public doesn't know, the up and comers that are lowly, lowly ranked that have a chance to win on certain courses and stuff. So I mean, I don't know, just. Just got to use your head where you think you can have it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of all I have. I'm not all right. um, super serious about DFS, but it's yeah. kind of fun when you come across people who, who are into it as well. And this ain't a yeah. DFS podcast. What? It's not a DFS <laughs> podcast. But but yeah. I know there are definitely some listeners out there who Probably are into most it as well. Yeah, I know a lot of yeah. people love that stuff. So like in golf this year, there was... You know, I don't know if you, you guys obviously know what a live final is, right? Like you try to qualify for this year-end tournament. And mm-hmm. yep. mm-hmm. um, golf started with 300 teams. And we played down to 40 for the live final. And I had four lineups of the 40. So, I mean, obviously, I was a huge favorite. A couple of people had two. And I ended up, one of them, one of my lineups got third for 400K maybe. And uh, I know in basketball, 10 years ago, eight years ago, I had three lineups of 100. And if Dirk Nowitzki doesn't hit this jumper over Draymond Green, I'm going to win the million. Instead, I got third. Like, there's just so putting <laughs> these live finals, especially when you're in the group, when everybody else is around you in these rooms. It's there's just nothing like it. It's just a different atmosphere. I and feel I, like I would lose my hair playing DFS. Oh yeah, I I was going to say if for people out there who are thinking about getting into it, if you think the variance is high in poker, oh. the variance in DFS yeah. tournaments is through it's, the roof. Yeah, one and, small play can. Just yeah. changed and so much. Kat, I'm sure Cat's tired of me saying, if this guy just would have caught this ball or if this coach wasn't so <laughs> stupid. And but you know, I'm sure there's a hundred people in that same tournament that I'm in there saying the same thing about some other random play that I didn't see, right? So I mean it's just uh it's just uh it just again you gotta you gotta use your skill set to try to put in the best lineup, but at the end you're gonna have to run good. You're gonna have to it's just gonna have to run perfect, perfect. Yep. So so Blake, um stepping away from DFS, uh we're kind of you know coming up on an hour here, I think shortly. Um, I just want to run by a couple of experiences with you that you had. Then we'll talk about, you know, your life outside poker just very briefly and then kind of finish up on what you got coming up in the future here. Um, starting with like some of your big scores, I noticed and I think I was around at this time, you know, it's 2013. Um, you had two really big scores in 2013. I think the first one, I, if I'm correct, was the Chicago Poker Classic uh, for 288K. I believe that was your first like massive score. Is that right? Still my biggest, I think. Still your biggest to this day. Yeah. And what, like, do you have any stories from that or anything that, like, about that experience or that you remember or recall that might be worth sharing? Well, it was a four-day event, and it was $3,200, no re-entries. And no re- it was, a free by, it was run by Charlie, who runs the World Series. And I, when I tell you that this tournament was slow, we played a 700-1400 level. <laughs> wow. I've never even heard of these things before. Like, four <laughs> days for a 3K without re-entries is just unheard of. Nice. I remember, uh, I remember being down to like three or four tables, and uh, I heard the other table next to me talking. This one guy was talking and at, trying to get everybody's information, and so I got I got changed to his table, and I put my chips down. He goes, "Welcome to the table, sir. What's your name? Where are you from?" And I didn't say a word. And okay. he's just like, "What? What? You don't want to tell us? You know where you? You know where else?" And I'm just like, I still didn't say a word. I'm like, 
I, I don't, I, at that time, I didn't want to give out any information. Right. You don't know what his intentions anything. are. Um, you know, the handed mob and all these things weren't as prevalent back then, but I just was like, I know that I'm playing a game of information gathering and I'm not going to give them any. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the best part is, you know, he got all pissy and kind of mad at me or whatever. And then uh, a month later, I saw him another tournament. I'm like, you know my name now? Because I won. (laughs) It was was kind of uh, fun. But, uh, you know, I'm motivated by different things like that. Like uh, last December, somebody sat at my table that I didn't know and he goes, Oh, you're that you're Blake Bond, that big player from Minnesota. You haven't done much lately, have you? And I'm just like oh. looking at him, just like, man, if I could tell you how tough tournaments really are, right? But I don't know, those little things motivated me. And you know, not you know, what I went on a heater of a year. I'm not saying it was all because of that, but you know, I play a lot to prove people wrong or try to keep reproving myself as a player. And some of it is tiresome, but some of it is uh well worth it. Um, you know, at the end, you know, it's pretty emotional when you know I'm setting records and leading the way for certain uh, certain categories, it's pretty, uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard to believe, actually, quite honestly. It, I mean, it's incredible. And I know, uh, so following up the Chicago Poker Classic in 2013, you entered a $1,500 World Series of Poker No Limit <laughs> Hold'em event and got second for 281K. So this is right yep. afterwards, pretty much, right? Yep. Um, or maybe not yeah. not too long after, in- right? Yeah, it was like, uh, you know, I think that was March or April. So, yeah, a couple months later. And I mean, 281K and a second in, in a World Series is obviously incredible. Was that a, how painful was that get, being so close to a bracelet? Yeah, so I didn't really know what I was doing, I don't think. Like, okay. uh, I knew I was still better than most people, but my game, well, the game in general, but also my game is so different than it was. But, yeah, it was... Uh, it was a feeling that I'll never forget. And I know I got, I got heads up and uh, I, the guy had a three to one chip lead and uh, we played a hand and I called him down and he had it. And then uh, a couple hands later, like he just, I raised and he jammed and I got out of my chair and I'm like, I said, you don't have it. I said, I, I don't have it either. I got a piece of shit. I had like ace, eight offsuit or something, but I'm okay. like, I, I looked at him like, you do not have it here. Yeah. And he turned over King nine and I had, you know, ace eight and he won and it was emotional, of course. And, uh, but you know, winning that significant amount of money, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of spots, the, the 111 K maybe cup that year, a couple of years later was also when I got 14th, you know, when the first four places were a million dollars, there's just, there's a lot of spots like the Borgata, I got like eighth place and I had the chip lead with 14 left and I got it in Mercedes King Mercedes queen for all the chips. And I mean, those are the uh, spots where you got to hold, right? <laughs> so the high, yeah, you know, spots. like, and it, it usually happens because I was fucking with this old businessman and he was not, <laughs> not happy with it. And so we were going on dinner break and everybody's getting up and he just completed the small blind. And so instead of making it small, I'm on the big blind, I made it like 400 and the big blind was like 50. And as soon as I made it 400, he just goes, I'm all in. And I got Ace King offsuit. And I'm just like, I stood up and I'm just like, hey, I don't think I can. Um, yeah. And I just go, I call and he turns over Ace Queen. My friend sitting next to me, Daniel Weinman. Goes, oh, I yep, Daniel he, goes, I, he goes, I folded a queen and the flop came clean. And then he just turned to queen. Even the poker news people were like hugging me on dinner break. They're like, man, I feel so bad for you. Like, first place, like 800, you know, I was going to have, I would have had like quarter of the chips in play 12 handed. I mean, good luck to everybody else, you know? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing is you put yourself in that spot so many times, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of time before that brace will be on your trophies on your shelf. Yeah, there, so I hope so. You know, it's obviously a goal of mine, but um, you know, I'm going to, I don't know how much I'm going to play going forward. Like I traveled a lot this year and, you know, it's so nice to be able to just go and play when you want, but, um, okay. I've done a lot and uh, I'm trying to find more balance. And, um, well, recently I'm, married, but a couple of years ago, it's been our, maybe even, have you been married for yeah, a couple we, years now? We got married in March of this year. Oh, it's this year. Okay. Uh, we've been together for like three years, but, uh, yeah. So with kids and all, like we're just trying, you know, we're taking some trips without casinos involved and, uh, just spending more time with my dad and, uh, I don't know, yeah. just trying to find some mental health and some gratitude and some clarity, and it's not easy. Um, but, uh, you know, now, I mean, I'm 51 years old, and, like, I tell you, when you play uh, back-to-back, like, day one, day 1A, day 1B, day 1C for 12 hours, it's it's, it's, it's a lot more than it used to be, for sure. I want to, you know, this kind of transitions into the Life Outside of Poker segment really well, and I, you know, you've been pretty open uh, at the poker table about your sobriety over the past year. Do you think that's contributed to your results uh, over the past year? 100%. So, yeah. uh, 
contributed to life-changing things like outside uh, and inside of poker yeah i mean once covid once we came out of covid i needed a reset and uh man it was it was a decision that uh i guess most people when they're faced with different challenges they there might be a certain reason or they might hit rock bottom where I never did, but I knew that that wasn't the best version of myself, but it was a pretty big decision for me to do what I did. Um, one of the bigger decisions I had to make on my own and, uh, and stick with it. It's, uh, you know, it's been, it's been wonderful. And, um, Good. you know, it's, uh, it's for health reasons and uh, family reasons and everything. But I think no, there's no doubt it's been, you know, not only would I say the sobriety, but also my wife has been a big part of my success this year because we talk poker quite a bit and play and stuff. And uh, it's nice having a uh, spouse that understands um, the game a little bit or a lot. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, yeah. It's also difficult because, you know, it's such a negative sport. And, we're you know, when one person takes a bad beat, it's tough to console them, but still try to keep your game going on the other table. So there's some ebb and flows of that, too. But um yeah, definitely sobriety has been a huge part of what well, uh, I'm definitely what proud of you, man. I, and I'm I'm glad to see you doing happier. You look healthier. I mean, all of the above. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Very kind. Yeah. yeah, I guess I don't have a lot to say about that, but that's great to hear. Like I I didn't know you before that really. So yeah. um, but yeah, you definitely uh, you know, both of you seem like you're people who are focused on their health, both mental and physical. And I think that's uh you know, both yeah. life and, yeah. but, and also just poker, like that stuff yeah. helps a lot more than you'd think. Yeah. It's not easy. I don't think, uh, life is easy for anybody. Um, and for people that don't know me or haven't walked in my shoes, I get judged a lot. And, uh, I guess for those people, you know, they don't know that, uh, you know, not too long ago I was on food stamps for Christ's sake. Like there's just some things that, you know, I didn't just walk around throwing money at poker tournaments and I don't have the greatest life and I still have bad days and bad weeks and, you know, I still fight with myself and uh, I still sometimes don't get along with people in public. It's just, it's just not all, you know, fun and games, but I think if you just take it day by day and try to live in the present, I guess that's the best advice I can give anybody. That's why I try to play the poker hands. I try to play it one end at a time. It's always a work in progress, Blake. Yeah, uh, we're always sure. working towards the, the better version of ourselves, and it'll yeah. always be that way. So I appreciate you sharing all that information with us. I think this would be a good time to start wrapping things up. I want to I wanna thank you so much for, you know, hanging out with us for the past hour and talking poker, talking about your life, um, you know, and, and strategy and all that good stuff, DFS. What, is there anything that you might want to say to to all of our listeners before we sign off here? Any, maybe it could be a tip or maybe just something that you want to, you know, not that you have to explain yourself or anything like that, but just anything that comes to mind that you want to share before before we sign off here? Yeah, I guess one thing that uh, we haven't touched upon is, you know, just because you have some success at poker doesn't mean you're a better player than you were a year ago. Or I don't think because the amount of wins or success I've had this year, I don't feel that that changes who I am. I know I still have flaws in my game. In fact, um, I hired a poker coach for the first time this year. Like, I just think that people judge themselves in poker based upon a win and a loss way too often when if you could you should be judging yourself on are you getting better at the game and are you playing the hand according to how you want to play the hand rather than than results oriented and i think that'll go a lot farther in poker and in life than uh just saying well you know i had ace king versus two queens and i had a king and so i'm great you know you know it's just uh just not how it is so i would try to just not be focused on the results of it and just keep you know the more times you can give yourself a chance to go deep and the better player you are the more chances of winning you'll have yeah, I think that's really well said, especially in a game like poker, where I think other other people who either don't play or play a little bit, they will judge you based on your recent results, Correct. you know, but Correct. you have to make sure that you're honestly evaluating how, you know, your skill level. Um, For sure. Yeah, I, I think you have that's to be, really be self-aware. You should always be trying to be self-aware. It's tough to do, you know, when you're winning, it's tough not to think how great you are. But, you know, are you really, you know, and um but yeah, if you're not, uh, once you stop having fun at the table, it's time for a break. I would say like, uh, nobody plays, nobody, nobody that I know that, uh, hates going to play poker that goes to play poker does anything good. It's always yeah. negative. Their life's negative. So, uh, once it stops becoming fun, then 
take a break or find find something else to do. My oh, man, <laughs> words yeah. of the wise. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. I think that will resonate with yeah. a lot of people. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. And then just the last thing to end off here, what is, what's, you know, the next few weeks look like here for you and, and Kat? I mean, are you going to be at the MSPT main event? Are you heading down to the Bahamas or to the win? What are you doing? Our schedule is tomorrow, so I don't know when you're gonna, this is going to air, but we'll play the high roller tomorrow. Yeah, so it's it's airing Thursday, so that'll be yeah. yesterday. So I'll be probably winning about the time this airs on Thursday. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this will be releasing then, after uh, you have heaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we're going to play the, Kat and I will play the 2500 and the 1100, and then we fly Tuesday to the wind to play the four, the 10K $40 million event. Cool, man. Nice. Well, I wish. I'll wrap up our year. I wish you both the best of luck. I hope you guys have happy holidays moving into 2024. Um, again, thanks again for taking the time to hang out with us here today. Um, if anyone has questions for Blake, you can always reach out to me um, or maybe even him via Twitter. And Blake, I hope you have a great trip, man. Best of luck thanks. to you in the high roller tomorrow. And we will see you guys next time.